Welcome to Vision Chat, a podcast about spiritual topics with your hostesses, Virginia and Stina. Hello, welcome to another episode of Vision Chat. And today uh, we are interviewing a very lovely, talented friend, guide, teacher, overall wonderful person, Erin Deedling. And Erin is a psychic healer and body worker. She is a somatic experience practitioner who uses a neurobiological approach to repair trauma. Erin, please tell us more about yourself. Oh, thank you. Um, it's so nice to be here with you and Stina. Thank you for the nice introduction. Um, I'm, um, I'm someone who's living in the Midwest and kind of making my way in the world with uh, expanding my awareness of energy and the universe and light. <laughs> and um, I, I have two sides to my life. I have the more counseling side and then I have the more energy side. And what I find is the deeper I go into academic clinical approaches, the more it starts to overlap with the highest level spiritual practices of healing and light and uh, timeline renegotiations and um, parts work that all of the the healing modalities as well as the clinical modalities at their at their highest form start to overlap and dovetail and i just i find that really interesting <laughs> uh, and so that's uh, that's where the works led me to. That's um, I feel like I came from two different approaches and then kind of sewed them together, but they'd been sewn together long before I stumbled across that. And I'm sure you find the same. Oh, what do you want to know? <laughs> My God, there's so much to know about you. I mean, like how like can you talk about like what you do like for a living, like? Um, do you see people? Do you do readings? Like, what kind of work do you do? Uh, I mainly uh, do healings and readings and body work, although I'm doing less and less of body work actually in person um, because a lot of the body work classes, well, over the years, I, I had taken the somatic experience the whole uh, last half of the, of the third year is about touch work and listening to the tissues and when i would listen to the tissues i would hear the stories within the tissues or sometimes see what were actual images from the person's life which is not necessarily what is taught it's more like listen to the vibration with your hands listen with your right brain listen with your attunement self with your heart and and this the somatic experience piece is not it's not known to be an energy work pathway. It, it is very neurobiological, very science-based. They love to emphasize the science. And people who pursue it from a science perspective, I do feel like they begin to turn on their attunement, uh, the mirror neurons, the proprioception, which is where we are in time and space at any time. And like, if you stand up to go grab a cup of water, you don't have to think about where you are in time and space. That's proprioception. Um, and then there's interoception, the felt sense. It's a specific part of the brain. And all of these kinds of scientific modalities and neuroscience start to overlap, I believe, with intuition. So things that we're 
knowing to be psychic phenomenon in human form, there will be, I believe, a, a lot more scientific explanation of these phenomenon as we pro progress and proceed with knowledge of brain science and, and so on. So I, I do that in one half of my life. I, um, I approach things from more the, the clinical and then I also have in a sort of a separate half of my life, the, the psychic. And what I began to find was my niche. And I kind of stumbled across it when I looked at my client load and realized, oh, wow, um, most of my clients and most of the incoming people are people in the healthcare field, mental health providers who have abilities or have abilities that are turning on and aren't sure what to do with it. And I had guidance when, um, when my abilities started to really pop in. Um, I had them all my life, but I really wanted to hone them and learn them. And when I became a new clinician, those abilities, that, those empathic abilities turned up so loud and I didn't know how to separate out my own energy from that of the, the traumas that the clients were talking about because my passion was treating trauma. Um, and, and I thought, oh, wow, I need to either retire, <laughs> you know, months into my new career, um, even though I loved it very much, or I need to find a way to, to manage all of this. And, uh, and I found a school, I learned to meditate, I learned to kind of clean it all out, separate what's, what is other people's energy from what is my energy. And I think that's, that's a task for some psychics is in empaths is what's mine and what's someone else's and how, how do I know the difference? Some people just automatically know the difference. And um, I think when there are enmeshed families, sometimes it can be harder to know the difference and that can be a real task. Um, I'm not sure if I'm answering your questions. <laughs> you are. I'm fascinated. I mean, I think that what you're saying also is like one of the things that I, I'll admit I still struggle with is really differentiating my energy from someone else's. Mm -hmm. And but I learned that concept, which has been really helpful also in my work too with people and just my personal relationships. You know, it's like, wait a minute, is what I'm feeling mine or is this someone else's? And just being able to pause and even consider that as a possibility is extremely helpful. Yes. Yes. And shame is a big one. A shame is a big, um, uh, we were just reviewing this um, in one of the somatic experience models. We had a two-year cohort here in Michigan and it's, <laughs> and it's the, the final, the final day and the faculty was talking about shame and uh, emotional trauma and um, emotional ruptures from a young age, developmental pieces. And she was talking about all all of this how shame just starts to wrap it all into this i'm bad i'm wrong i'm and and i'm just like oh and as a clinician whether you identify as intuitive or empathic or none of the above you're you just identify as a clinician that shame piece you can really feel it in the room because you just start to go down for the count it's like no 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 no, no. <laughs> be in your own field <laughs> that's you know that that's one of the words they use a lot in somatic experience which is um they they think of that as more like your personal field your magnetic realm your personal atmosphere um personal space as opposed to in the psychic realm it's your aura <laughs> it's your chakras it's your energy and the overlap and and so with with shame especially and when you work a lot with shame is 
no, um, the, the overlap can really come in. And, and so the focus on the self, the groundedness, the, okay, that's not mine. And everything's starting to get a little bit um, uh, heavy. <laughs> and maybe I'm starting to get a little sleepy because shame can really like take us inward and, um, but not always in a pleasant way or in a, like a, a heavy way. And it's, it's a juicy one to unpack, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot around it. Is there anything that you like to call yourself? Um, I, I just think straight up psychic is easy, but in polite company, you know, I, I'll go to family events. I'll go to, uh, things with my partner and I'll never say that. I'll like, <laughs> nobody needs to know that unless like that's someone like looked me up and is coming to me for say a reading and in polite company, I'll use more words like intuitive and empath. And I'm not ashamed of it. I just also know that these are all words that not everyone's embracing or ready for. I think that there's no like, I, I know we, we talked earlier about what might be a misperception of spirituality. Um, and I had a little think on that. And I, I don't know that it's so much a misperception as people are just in different places. And sort of like, once you start tasting coffee and can like taste those blueberry notes, you're never going to untaste it. You're, or once you like start to expand the palate or learn about color theory, or once you learn about a particular topic, you might always see the nuances, but that doesn't mean that other people want to see the nuances or are ready for the nuances. Um, so I just think of spirituality and psychic abilities and intuition, channeling all of that as a progression. Is there anything other than psychic that you're comfortable like labeling yourself with or identifying as? Um, yeah, <laughs> um, I think, um, uh, let's see, channeler, fine, fine with that. And I'm learning that I've actually been channeling all my life. I just had all these rules and regulations around it and didn't realize um, light worker, um, light language um, speaker, light language seer. Um, let's see, um, psychic medium, psychic healer, energy healer. I haven't taken like a certification course to call myself a medical medium, but I definitely love to work with the body and the DNA and the organs. Um, so body worker is a comfortable term. I wouldn't call myself a medical medium because I think that's a more, maybe that's that's more of a <laughs> master class or a graduate level kind of course. But um, but I I know my way around the body enough I think to you know feel comfortable with um, body worker, energy worker, healer. I mean, I'll say just being on the receiving end of some healing from you, like I would totally call you. A medical intuitive healer and if it's something that you feel like you would need to like take a course on i would say you could probably teach it so I, you know some I, I i'll, put, I'll add it to the list <laughs> you could definitely add it to the list with confidence empath okay. for sure like that yeah. I, I think that's something i found over time like if i'm reading someone's uh, passed on relative right I might not know the name or the date or, um, you know, like a TV psychic, but I can tell you 
what that person feels like on the other side, what that person felt like in the body, what the emotions were. Um, and I, I think this is something that you both really have like exponentially is the empathic skills, the ability to feel someone else's feelings with, not that you're climbing into someone else, it's just, you're aware, you can tap in and understand without even trying how someone feels, like emotionally in their body yeah. or how it physically feels in, in their body and what those experiences might be for, for another person. I'm really glad you didn't retire from the field because we would have all been at a complete loss. So what do you think, like, well, would you like to share, like, how you got into spirituality? Like, how did you get into this, you know, how early on did you start really tapping into spirituality or energy work? As a really young kid, um, I think... I was showing, I, I was sleepwalking some and I would have these dr incredible dreams and I'd be like writing till two in the morning. And I think my, my mom was worried that she, her daughter was mentally unstable and had, you know, psychological or psychiatric issues. Um, I had a lot of strong fears, which I, I, I had the abilities, I think, before certain traumas happened. Traumas can be initiations it's not all bad. Like, I guess we have to, like, we don't have to anything, but I like to have a little sense of humor about trauma. I like to also, as much as I, you know, <laughs> I can comb through all the stuff of it, um, probably a little too much. I also like to look at the bright side. Like, what are the gifts? I think as a result of trauma, I had some abilities turned on. I, I can't remember if I had those abilities before. The trauma started, like, three, four, seven, um, some big stuff. Eventually my mom took me to the priest. Well, I, I think the grade school, one of the grade schools we went to, you had to interview with a psychiatrist to get in, which I found highly unusual for, for a school, but you know, this school, that's what they did. And, um, you know, this psychiatrist was like, you know, both your kids are smart and, adjusted. I just, I find it interesting that when I asked each of your children individually, she was saying this to my mom after the fact, and then my mom later told us that both my, my older brother and I wanted to be hummingbirds. <laughs> like, what's your favorite animal? You know, all those stock questions that a psychiatrist will ask kids. And my mom's like, oh, we have a hummingbird feeder in the yard. It's not, it's, it's a thing. But, you know, apparently, according to the psychiatrist, we checked out. Like, I, I was not, According to her mentally, you know, unstable or whatever. Um, but I had these intense fears and I was sensitive to energy. I was picking up on things that later made a lot more sense to the whole family. Um, events that happened in the house even decades later that I was already picking up on the energy 20 years prior. I would prefer not to go into the details because they're not super um, positive and they're they're like a lot of my abilities young were dark uh, or were uh, not that I was doing dark, but I, I sensed, I sensed scarier things. And I think um, when a kid can sense the scary things, they need a lot more protection. They need a lot more explanation. They maybe need someone to take them by the hand and be like, there's nothing wrong with you. There's something so right about you. And let's, let's walk through this. So my mom did take me to the priest. She thought maybe I needed an exorcism because you know, the, the psycho, psychiatric like 
go ahead. <laughs> the, the psychiatrist signing off and being like, everything's fine. That wasn't enough. Then she took me to the priest and the priest was like, no, 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 no. There's nothing wrong with her. She doesn't need an exorcism. She speaks a light language. She's, she speaks to spirit. She senses like she she's a good energy and she's sensing things that are maybe more predatory or darker or involve things like murder. And um, so I won't go into all the details <laughs> of the things that I was always picking up on, but um, but that that priest sort of it was like what a blessing <laughs> that even early on uh, he was saying, you know, she needs to be protected, like she needs to be understood, not not made wrong or not put into this kind of crazy box. We had by that time the the psychiatrist was in Tulsa. And that whole school experience was in Tulsa. And then we moved to New Orleans, which is a pretty mystical place already. We were in a suburb of New Orleans and we were renting a house and some of some high intensity events had, had happened in the house and I was picking up on them. And that's when I went to the priest because it was just, it was scary. The, the, the scenes I was seeing, the, the energies I was feeling in the home. And so later we were on the bus going to school um, six months after we'd been living in this house. And the kids are like, oh, you live in the murder house. And the things I was picking up on were, were like scene for scene what we heard had happened. But we didn't know when we moved in. We found out later from neighbors or from the kids on the bus what the news story was of the house. And lots of things like that over the years. And all along, I had a guide. I had, um, a, a, I didn't realize it at the time, but there was this woman who would come to me in my dreams and she had long jet black hair. And, um, she felt very angelic and we would be playing on the beach in Rogers Park in Chicago. But I was living in the suburb of New Orleans. And every night I'm like, please, please tell me we're, we're really here. We're really on the beach. And she's like, yes, we're really on the beach. We're really here. And so I'm not gonna wake up and I'm gonna be back. Um, and she's like, no, you're, you're in Chicago. And I always wanted to um, be on that beach in Chicago. And I had no idea that that was my great grandmother who had mm -hmm. gone and was a guide. And, you know, later when I got into a psychic school and started learning all these things, someone read a great grandmother on me and said, you know, actually when your grandmother passed, part of her job was to look after you and make sure you got through childhood okay. And she knew it wasn't going to be good for you. And she knew you were going to have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things to overcome. So that was like, she was your, one of your guardian angels. I never knew her with the jet black hair. I only knew her as um, this elderly <laughs> woman with white hair. And, and then when I did some writings in college um, and I shared some of the writings with my mom. She, she's like, read that part again. Your grandmother had dishes exactly like that. Your grandmother had a cabinet exactly like that. Your grandmother had a layout of an apartment exactly like you're describing your grandmother. And she, by the time I was born, she was already at a nursing home. She wasn't living at that beachfront little apartment in Rogers Park in Chicago. Uh, as a young lady, she had the jet black hair and Anyway, so apparently it was my, my great-grandmother, and that totally resonates for me at Lands, and so I felt like her goodness at, all through childhood and into my adolescent years, and even to this day. I talked to her today. I was like, hey, thanks. We're going to do this interview today, and <laughs> just want you to know, thanks. Yeah, that's beautiful. 
and it shows also like how in tune or like i don't know if sensitive is the right word but how open you were when you were a child as well did you have like any specific moments from childhood or youth where you um noticed that it was something spirituality or like other experience where you're like oh okay so many but oh one in particular and i probably have shared this with both of you like personally but i'll 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 try it again um my baby brother is, is almost 13 years younger than me and um i had him down for a nap one afternoon like he was he was i was his babysitter in the summers like i did not want him going to a nanny or to a daycare or any of that kind of business i i wanted him home with me and um it was getting it was getting dark it, it, like it was the middle of summer but it felt like things were getting a little darker outside it was a cloudy day and um and he was just sleeping longer than he normally would and something just kept saying go get him up and i'm i'm more of like let people stay sleeping <laughs> but um i just kept getting this go get him up go get him up and then it was it was just so clear and got him up and um we were going to go visit the neighbor across the street and we're walking across the front yard and there's this thing like clear clear air cl clear sky lightning i don't know it, there's a phrase for it and we're walking across the street and the loudest noise i'd ever heard and you know he started he was just a little toddler so he started crying because there was this loud bang and it turned out it was uh, clear air lightning or clear sky lightning and like there were no rumbles there was no thunder it was just all of a sudden there was lightning and so we're like oh well that was weird and went over to the neighbors and he visited um and she would babysit for him sometimes as well the lady across the street and when we got home there was glass all across the bed there was like glass embedded in the the leaves of the plant there like and he was just a little guy with really soft skin. So, um, and, oh, and there was a branch from the tree because the lightning hit the tree. <laughs> this is how trauma works. Like we don't always tell it in chronological order, right? The, so there were there were tree branches across the bed and shard, not just shards of glass, but like um, plates of glass across the bed. So uh, I was like, so, you know, and I shared the story later with my mom, like something said to get him up. And she's like, someone was looking out for you. <laughs> someone was looking out for Devin, my little brother. But I'm I'm so glad I got the message. And so lots of things like that. Those are pretty incredible like experiences that you've had. And I don't know that I that I heard that story from you before. You might have <laughs> told it somewhere else, but I don't I don't remember hearing it. But that's fascinating. Um and I, I think I like to think that that's commonplace that you have a story like that and Stina has a story like that and every like everyone I mean I just think everyone's got a story like that maybe <laughs> maybe I'm kidding myself but like oh you know I, I was gonna go here but something happened and you know like on 9-11 you hear so many people like oh you know um the coffee maker broke so I had to go to the coffee place and I I didn't end up at work on time or whatever it was I like to think that everyone's got a story like that and <laughs> I, I I just think it's so commonplace that we have these little nudges and I think in the psychic world we learn to listen to them um, and in you know polite society sometimes we learn to turn them off 
we, we learn to turn out those little messages like, oh, that doesn't make sense. And that's exactly why we should listen is because, or could listen, could be open to listening is because it doesn't make sense. And, um, and it's coming from a felt sense and knowing. I think it's hard. I think we, you're right that I, we all have some degree of that, like, you know, like instinct of like, go left or go right. And, but I think a lot of the times, you know, it's like, do we actually listen to our intuition or do we ignore it and, you know, go with our logic? Like, well, no, let me think it through. And sometimes you think your way out of the right decision. Um, yeah. And then you're like, oh, I wish I had listened. But um, yeah, no, I think, you know, you're right. I think we all have those nudges. I don't know that we all have the dramatic story though, because those <laughs> are like, <laughs> like my most dramatic story is like I went left instead of right. And I was like, yes, I was right. I'd be traffic. That's about it though. <laughs> that's well, that's huge. That is that you listened and that yeah. you knew. Well, what do you think is like the biggest misconception of energy work or spirituality? What do you think is like the thing that's most misunderstood? It's not real. It's um, you're deluding yourself. It's um, what is the, the um, bias, like bias reinforcement, um, like where, where you have a certain opinion and then you go and you reinforce it. It's a psychological term and the reticulum, something, something reticulum in the brain that that confirms your own bias towards something so it's like oh yeah that bird feather isn't like you're just you're telling yourself that means something i just like to think it's a progression that some people it's like it's all logic that's not true that's and then other people as they progress along you know maybe they have life experience they have a quote-unquote religious experience um that that over time they start to realize or pursue or want to be open to other things and and who cares i mean maybe i'm wrong about all of this um you know maybe light doesn't really win out over dark but i i much i'm much happier thinking that <laughs> so it works for me i also think the miss what we think of as the misperception is just that we're in this 3d world and i i do believe the planet is expanding to I mean, some people call it 5d i don't know what d it is but i just know the world is expanding towards more love um, I really do believe that. I believe there's more love on the planet. I mean, we hear more about crime than ever, but I also feel like we have more resources and more love and more help. And I've heard it said that like there's a wait list to get a body and pick a body on this planet. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not the one authority on that, but I I sure like that idea. It's like if you want to train for a marathon, like. I've never trained for a marathon. I've never run one. I will go to my grave without having run a marathon. I'm fine with that. Um, but people, like, they learn about the different kind of miles you have to run and how you nourish your body for that, that it's a, a specialty. Spirituality is for everyone. It doesn't have to be a specialty. But it's like, do you just, do you choose to specialize in it? And when we take bodies and agree to this time, space, gravity thing, we start to maybe forget who we were, who we are, who's really in there. Um, and I think that some of when people say your answers are already within you, the truth is already in there. Everything you need to know is already inside, but sometimes we need a reflection from the outside to remind us or um, like the, the chakras, I think are very much pieces of our soul in the body 
like we can't see it. We can't take an x-ray and be like, there's the chakra. Um, but it's the, the parts of the soul that are functioning and operating our physical bodies and, and that there's this interplay and, and are we listening or is it like, no, nope, we die and that's it. And some people believe that and God bless or universe bless or, you know, like have at it. Uh, you know, I don't have to own the truth. I've just had enough experiences. Again, that could be bias confirmation, but I've had enough experiences in my life um, to, to trust it. And I'm fine trusting it. And I'm fine that other people maybe don't care to trust it. Yeah. Um, why do you think like we are going to earth or coming down here? Oh man, I was just thinking like now, well, then I, I was just thinking about that this afternoon. Like, why do we have to clear karma? Why do we have to go through karma? Why do we take human bodies? Like, okay, we take a lot of us take human bodies to help humanity and like anchor the light where we are, but why? Why are we doing this experiment? What what's the point? Why can't we all just hang out with God like you know at the resort? What like <laughs> What was the, you know, is it, is it like training for a marathon? Like, oh, I just want to go, I want to see if I can do it. <laughs> or I want to paint. And so I'm going to take a body and my life is my canvas. And I want to make this beautiful thing like in where, <laughs> like behind Virginia with all her beautiful paintings. And, um, and I know there's this Kabbalah concept of like Zim Zom, like, God can only experience God's self through the, the children, through us, through the beings. And so we take these bodies to make it real and have all these profane and sacred experiences so that God can be like, what did you do at kindergarten today? You know, let's let's put it up on this the universal refrigerator, and, <laughs> you know, like like kids drawings or something up on the refrigerator. But why? <laughs> so like I, I just. I'm in that little existential loop and I'm <laughs> uh, when when I can ask someone who may be a little further along in that knowledge, <laughs> do you have thoughts on that? Do you know why? Because I'd like to know. <laughs> Inquiring minds. Well, you're definitely definitely not alone about that <laughs> at all. Um, is there any like advice that you would like to share to anyone that is beginning their spiritual journey or want to explore their abilities? Yes. Um, I'd say find the way that's right for you and don't forget to trust your heart. Um, that you have these inherent innate abilities. That is the truth of who you are. And if there's a coach or a teacher or a book or a YouTuber that really, this show is your jam go for it. And then that might change over time. You might really like one author for a while and then start to shift into another or mix and match. Um, like find help because, um, or, or find a mentor, find a coach, not someone who has your answers for you, but someone who can kind of guide you and nurture your path. Um, you know, and it could just be someone who's maybe a little bit further in that area of knowledge. Um, and, you know, I don't, I, I know lots of healers that will say, well, I don't have the basics. I don't know how the chakras work. I don't know how the aura works. And that's all very teachable. It's all learnable stuff, but no one can teach you your abilities. 
but once you start honing the ability or the strongest ability you have, then the others start to come along for the ride or the others start to sharpen. If you want to be clairvoyant and learn to read pictures, mental image pictures, then the, the clear audience may come in or the empathic skills might come in or you might channel or be a medium and so on. Is there anything that you would have done differently looking back on your journey? Yes. <laughs> um, I probably would have um, dialed back um, at, I, I actually w attended a school um, and I was there every single day of the week I could possibly go. Looking back, um, you know, they were very big on you, you have your own answers and find your own answers. But I, I think it became a little bit like codependent of like, I can't have this answer for myself. I need someone to read it for me and tell, like look at it for me. And there is something about having blind spots and not being able to see what's right. In, like everyone else can see it on you, but you can't see it on yourself and not everybody has permission. And so sometimes we go and ask permission, like, will you read this? Will you help me get some clarity? Will you help me like laser through to what I want to get to or think I want to get to? And um, and sometimes I, even like in romantic relationships, I knew the connection maybe wasn't at all right. But then I let people read it out of me and be like, no, 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 that person is really great for you. And <laughs> when my heart was like, maybe no <laughs> maybe not for you um and, and so sometimes i would use it as um as a way to um get talked out what, what in somatic experience they call spiritual bypass where it's like no i'm not gonna feel it i'm not gonna feel all the painful stuff i'm gonna uh, override it and just like go up to a spiritual place and and not deal with the body and my body was like uh, this is not for you. This is not a fit. This is not a match. Good luck to everybody involved, but not a match. And I would override that and let let people and ask people, really, I think. And maybe they were psychically reading, like, she needs to hear the lie and not the truth, so read that on her. Um, so it, it could very much have been a recipe of my own making. Um, but I think I would have gone there less and been more pinpointed um, and trusted my my own body's experience that was like, nope. And I think that is also very common for a lot of people that start out, that they think that, oh, this person, they have the answer for me, or mm -hmm. I should listen to them because I'm not that skillful or I don't have the tools. But when it comes to the end, it's only yourself that knows and can feel it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the question. It's <laughs> a vulnerable thing to share. And I don't, I don't mean in any way to make other people wrong. Like I was asking for the readings. I was signing up for, you know, connections and relationships. Like it's nobody else's fault. <laughs> but yeah, it's not my finest hour. Yeah. Well, but, but I've done that. Sorry, Virginia. Oh my God. <laughs> I've done that myself as well that I put oh, this teacher, they know so much more than me, or this person who has this workshop or this reading, they have, like, they 
can see my future or they can know this. So that must be true. So it's very nice to like bring it up and air it out kind of. Yeah. And uh, there, I, someone in the somatic experience field um, just put out a recent email and I don't, I don't mean this in any bad way towards the teacher, um, but it was like, you know, stop learning every modality under the sun, just knock it off get confident in the mod- modality you know or <laughs> sign up for this modality and, and it will teach you to be more confident in what you already know and um and i think it's so true i it's been true for me in the energy world it's been true for me more in the like i guess academic or clinical world like if if i get enough knowledge then i'll know it all and then i'll be good enough or which i wasn't thinking then i'll be good enough but i do think there's like a chase to be good enough and um it's so unnecessary. Like if you, it's like that, that um, the Holy Grail one or the, the um, Fisher King um, archetype, the story of the Fisher Kings, like goes in search of the Holy Grail, goes the whole life, travels the world looking for this chalice. And then on the deathbed, like the chalice is right there. And, um, but it's like a humble chalice and it's like, it was there all along and after a world full of travel. And I feel like I'm kind of, I'm in that place for myself. There are teachers and there are people that I respect and I wanna, and anytime I open a book by all kinds of people, I'm gonna learn. I'm going closer to my heart and closer to the identity of like why I came here or the light that, you know, I'm here hopefully to shine and, and maybe like, get to know myself and then if that spills over great which you know i think that can be another misperception about healers is you have to give it all away all the time and i wonder if there's a balance like take care of you and then if you spill over great but like some of the great love can be learning to love yourself um that's been my lesson anyway (laughs) so that's That's beautiful Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I think that there's nothing wrong with pursuing knowledge. I love to learn and I love having things to, you know, new things to learn. That's exciting. I just think like what you're saying is like, you know, don't give your power away. Don't just fully trust everything. And Bingo. Else. It's about trusting yourself. Yes. At the end of the day, learn everything, learn everything you want, listen to everyone and then kind of just take in what resonates and leave the rest. Like you don't have to, you know, fully like take on everybody else's ideas or beliefs, like inform yourself and then create your own or follow your heart. And I think that's, you know, that's the best advice for people. Yeah. Follow your heart. And uh, like, I see each of you and you have, you each have skills that pull the doors off of anything I've seen. Um, And I also know you're like, you're committed lifelong learners (laughs) and that there's this raw skill and raw talent that each of you have in similar and unique ways and um and yeah I, my brain's on fire when i'm learning and i think i'm a card carrying member of the lifelong learner club <laughs> um i hope i hope because you know the beginner's mind is it's a it's a good place to be um and and i think i'm learning to not give the power away 
and I think one way you know if you're giving it away to, is crankiness. <laughs> I get cranky when I give my power away. But isn't that what passive aggression is? Is like when you don't have another way to get power, so you do it in a passive aggressive way. I'm like, oh, I gave my power away again. <laughs> now I'm cranky. Well, that's another thing to learn about, right? Like the the boundaries. Yes. Right? Like that's that's another one that I know I continue to work on. It's like, okay, where are my boundaries? Yeah, I, I saw something and again, I'm like, I have all these like um, preemptive statements, like I don't mean to harm anyone. <laughs> but like, uh, it was, it was on Instagram, I think, and it said, um, be aware of your limits, because takers don't have any. <laughs> and it's like, ah, okay, yeah, <laughs> I, I recognize that. <laughs> so yeah. Boundaries are, uh, we could, we could spend hours just talking about, I could spend hours talking about boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Well, Erin, are there any like fun ways that you use your spiritual tools or like, you know, things that maybe people would be like, oh, you use your gifts for that? Um, well, yeah, I, I help people with like dating stuff. <laughs> That's always, I love other people's dating lives. I love love and it's fun to read like matches and um uh, but um you know i think that's more maybe more of a common one and one reason why people seek out someone with abilities is is for love or career or whatever money um one thing i've been doing i don't know that this is this doesn't sound so psychic it's more chefy but um like tasting something like if i have something a sauce or something i really like in a restaurant and then reverse engineering it at home and being like, oh, I can I can make that salad dressing. Like there is this uh, restaurant in Roscoe Village in Chicago that has this incredible salad dressing. And I finally figured out, like I opened a bottle of some um, dried onions and chives and I was like, I can I can tell this this is going to be an ingredient in the dressing. And then I got busy in the kitchen and next time I see you, I'll make you the dressing. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and, and so, um, or like if you taste a baked good or like I can kind of reverse engineer it in the kitchen, but I, I don't know that that's a psychic ability. Like I'm more taste and scent psychic. And I know the, that scent is one of the oldest parts of the memory. Like that's how we found food way back in the day, but I'll smell a cologne or if I'm doing body work on someone I'll be like, who? what's with the roses? Do you smell the roses? And they'll be like, oh, it's my grandmother. Or what's with the cigar? I smell cigar. And they'll be like, oh, it's my grandfather. You know, and it's not a trick. Like I'll literally smell it. I'm not just making something up so that someone will have a fake memory. Or, um, but that's always fun is the scent because it's pretty clear. And then talking to nature, I was on a call with someone we're, you know, we're getting in there, we're working through the patterns and, and there are these goldfinches and I have never seen goldfinches up here. I know it's a common bird up here, but I don't see them. And these goldfinches were just going to town bouncing on the branch. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, but there's something going on out of the corner of my eye that I, nature is very much saying I need to pay attention to. And so these, it wasn't, and then it was one goldfinch and then it was five goldfinches and they had a lot to say. Um, or a lot of activity in the window. In a window, I've never seen this kind of activity. I've never seen goldfinches. And so um, 
the, the client was sort of like, okay, I'll play. And um, I was like, I'm going to look this up. I'm going to look up the meaning of Goldfinch. Um, this is what I'm getting now. And, and then I sent it to the client and it was like, so precise like the spiritual meaning of goldfinches it was so precise for the exact things she was describing and the pattern and so nature's a lot of fun or i'll be like okay um i i want to see sea glass in the next block on the beach i mean i know beaches aren't always in blocks but it, or um i'll be like okay i want to see deer on this path and you know deer are common to the area <laughs> so talking to nature has been fun um, getting messages in nature has been just mind-blowing. I, I didn't know that was part of my repertoire. And maybe it wasn't. I think kids have that. They have such facility with nature and the earth and trees and flowers and birds. And those have been some fun ways of communicating. Um, and then, you know, there are there are some fun, like, bar tricks. Um, I, I will teach like my single friends or um and also um like owning a room is kind of a fun one what do you think is your next step on your spirit spiritual journey or what are you working on next channeling i have a lot of rules about how energy operates and so like just getting the rules out of the way and just letting the channeling come in unconditional love is a big one um healing like more catastrophic i have to say i don't heal someone else's catastrophic disease um their openness to possibilities is what heals it and i'm holding some pretty intense space with them about it seeing people with more and more pervasive things to do with the body diseases conditions what in somatic experience they call the syndromals um that's exciting for me is like doing healing work with those kinds of things and dna i i really love working with dna and i'm realizing one of the ways that i channel is um is working with light that connects with the dna and intergenerational trauma repair uh Aaron, maybe you can write a book i'm, I'm <laughs> kind of picking up on like there's so much knowledge and information here it'd be great to have a book uh, <laughs> throwing that out there thank you thank you um <laughs> i don't know that i am ready like i have a book on dna this one's pretty good um happens to, i i'm not trying to promote this person i just like her information because she talks about the how we used to have 13 helixes to our dna and then we kind of forgot sort of like the whole human experience like we came in maybe from this unlimited place as light beings and then we've got earth and gravity and time and space and blah and <laughs> relationships and <laughs> adolescence you know all all this stuff um and and that we kind of forgot or something happened to humanity and we forgot i don't know like maybe that's true maybe it's not um but they're they are finding that kids are being born with a third helix or a fourth um it's rare but they are finding it in science or according to the literature. I, I think it's how, it's one of the ways, it's kind of like how our chakras are the light in us. It's part of our soul. It's part of our spirit. It's part of the universe. And I think the DNA is a physical expression of that. And um, I don't know, I'm still working on my theories, but I love, I love the DNA for some reason. <laughs> it's kind of magical.
you know, yeah. it's iridescent and colorful and light. Well, you were, you kind of started answering our next question, which was, oh. what books do you recommend or what oh. do you like? YouTube channels. What do you um, do these days? I, well, I have a lot of, I really like, I've got a stack of books. I don't know if you want me to go through them, but. Um, <laughs> Whatever you like to share. Sure. I, I the, this is just a smattering of books. Um, so the Kishori aired one on DNA, um, DNA Demystified, volume one. She, I think she's got at least three volumes. Maybe not that one. Uh, so anything by Cindy Dale. She's great. This we all used in our clairvoyant classes when we all taught together. That's a good one. Oldie but a goodie. Language of Emotions. She's great. Um, and she also has one called uh, the Chakra Chakra Manual, Manual of the Chakra, something like that. Carla McLaren. She went through that whole Berkeley Psychic Institute. So, Sonia Choquette, she has a whole other tradition. And I remember way back when I was in college, and she came from a Russian tradition, a Russian lineage. And she said she was in kindergarten or first grade before she realized other kids didn't also see angels. Um, Michael Tamora, he's great. He's just a, a love bug, all about the heart. Happy man. Dao Jing, you know, <laughs> I can't even call that an oldie but a goodie because it's ancient. But Dao De Jing is, um, uh, it's tiny little book. The one, the energetic boundaries by Cindy Dale. That's a great one, I think, for empaths. Just because, like, we it's were a, talking about boundaries, yeah. like, yeah, you know, for people that are like, oh my god, I can't, you know, this is too much for me. I don't even want this gift, you know, because it's too much. The energetic boundaries is great. Yeah, that's the actual that. practical tips. Yes, and yeah, it, Sarah Landon on YouTube. Um, there's a fellow who does a lot with uh, the violet flame. Steve Noble, I think his name is. Um, how can people find you? www.aaronddeedling.com. Um, and they can, I think my phone number's on there. They can email me. Well, thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you. And for all the knowledge and for being here with us. It's been so much fun. Thank you so thank much. You.